look to the person next to you on the left and right and give them a smile, please. Give them a smile. Uh, I know you're already seated, but we still smile here, right? Uh, I'm glad to see y'all. Y'all are the few that's not at the water, huh? <laughs> glad, to, glad to see we got a church this week. Amen. Amen. How many of you plan on going out there for a pop-up church? Anybody? Go? The pop-up church starts at 12 out there? Nobody? Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, I know. If you're a native, it's kind of like, let's not go there, right? <laughs> Too many people. Hey, um, Rachel made these shirts, uh, or uh, this shirt. I asked, I've been, we've been kind of playing around with some designs with our rebranding and everything, and I asked her if you can make some I Love My Church shirts. Y'all like that? I Love My Church with the, with the emblem on the back, a little small emblem on the back. Is that good? All right, all right. So we got some, we're going to make some more of those. We don't have those yet. Um, who brought a guest today? Anybody bring a guest? Yeah, mom don't count because mom is family. You brought a guest? You get, you get that, sir. You get that. You get that. You brought the grandbaby. It counts. It counts. Pregnant people and grandbaby count. <laughs> grandbaby is the first time. <laughs> And grandbaby has more hair than I do. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, mean, I remember I used to swoop. Anyway, boy, you couldn't tell me nothing a few years ago. <laughs> Just a few years ago. So it's like, grow it back, grow it back. Um, um, anyway, so I want to introduce to you guys, uh, today's an introduction series, introduction to the series called Red Letter. Uh, welcome, and I'm glad you're here, those of you that are here. Um, we were going to do a... A, a regroup where we gather on the, during the week and we would break up into groups. Um, and I was going to cover this red letter series, but God placed on my heart to go ahead and just um, teach it and make it my own. So that's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go into this next series. I don't know how many weeks we're going to do it, um, but it's called Red Letter Living. Um, the red letters are the letters written in the Bible of Jesus, his, his actual spoken words. Y'all know that? Yeah, red letters. And so um, we're going to push group off because I didn't want group to go into the summer. And my goal is to be a good steward of you guys and a, a person of my word. And I said we weren't going to have groups except for in the fall and in the spring, winter, uh, winter, springish time. In the summer, we would, we would be off. Um, but we would gather again in the fall during the week and we'll learn and have fellowship and food and all that good stuff when we meet for groups. So anyway... I want to start this series today called Red Letter Living, and um, when I looked at the Bible, uh, this is something I've always been intrigued about. I don't know about you. I've been intrigued about the red letters, uh, the written words of Jesus. Why do his words have to stand out and be written in red? And I, I did a little research, and, and you know you can find everything on Wikipedia, right? Well, that's not where I got this, but anyway, you can find anything on, in, in the, on the internet these days, but um, the Gospels were written about Jesus and the Gospels written in red were Jesus' actual spoken words. So I want to do kind of an introduction to where we're going to go um, today. So that's what this is. It's a little bit calmer today. I think it's going to be a little calmer. And um, we're going we're gonna to teach a little bit um, from, from my lesson that I have prepared for you guys. So all of God's words important, but the red letters stand out. The, le the red letters stand out for your sake and for my sake. Um, 
but all of God's word is important. The whole counsel of God is important. Um, but the red letters, did you know, were not written in the original, the original manuscript. Did you know that? That's something I didn't know either. Um, I, I thought this was something that maybe there was kind of a distinction made way back um, in ancient biblical times. But red letter print only dates back to the early 1900s. I know you didn't come for a, uh, a Sunday school lesson, so I'm not going to make this boring. Um, but red letters date back to the early 1900s um, by Christian journalist called uh, Dr. Louis Klausch. Uh, Louis Klausch. Um, who owned a magazine called the Christian Herald. Um, one day, while doing his devotions, uh, Dr. Klops was reading Luke 22 and 20, and he saw these words. This cup is the new covenant of my blood. And instantly, Dr. Klops thought to himself, I need to distinguish between what Jesus is saying and what the rest of the Bible is saying. And so he got with his mentor, his pastor, and he put a bunch of uh, scholars together, and they formed what we now know um, and, and, and was into print in the uh, 1901. It came into print is what we now know the Bible with the red letter edition. So let's thank Dr. Klausch. <laughs> Dr. Klausch. I, I, you know, when I thought about this, I said to myself, thank God for a person who, who devotes his time to study God's word. Had this guy not had a devotion life. we wouldn't even know the red letters like we know them today. But because he had a devotion life, we can see that. So in this series, what we're going to do, what we're going to do is I'm going, to, um, um, I'm going to acknowledge the words of Jesus. And I thank God for the words of Jesus. You know, Jesus was, there was nobody that taught like Jesus. He was the master teacher. Everything he said transformed how we to live today. What he said what Jesus said, it, it was not only for our instruction, but it was out of love for us to be transformed. We can't have transformation without the Bible, right? The Bible is living as his word. If you apply it to your life, it'll change your circumstances. You don't need a therapist. You need Jesus' his words. <laughs> man, man. And so what we're going to do is I'm going I'm to take red letters, and I'm going I'm to bring out different ones from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Whatever I feel that God is leading us to know. And I'm going to highlight those in this series. That's what we're striving to do. But this is why I, I, I'm, I'm led this way. I don't want us to be a church that is full of experience. You're filled with experience. I thank God for the worship experience where, where we can come and we can sing and we can get some donuts and coffee and, 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 and have that experience, you know, of coming to church and sitting next to somebody cute, you know. Um, but I also want us to be a church that has theology. Don't just be filled with experience and not filled with theology, the theology of God, the study of the word of God. And so that's that's why I felt led to go this way. Uh, so in other words, I don't want you to feel good and learn nothing. Oh, man. I want to see transformation in your life. So meet me in Mark. If you want transformation in your life today, we're going to go into Mark 9. Mark 9, verse 33. Mark 9, verse 33, it says this. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, this is from the New Living Translation. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what are you discussing? What were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer.
because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. Man. They get off the road. Jesus turns to the guys eventually. What were y'all arguing about? Well, nobody said anything. Nobody said anything. I want to preach to you for a few minutes from the subject of how to live a great life in a greedy world. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you use it, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be better, not, not for our own sake, but for your sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So on a superficial level, church, on a superficial level, it's easy to love the person of Jesus, isn't it? And not love what he said. We all, we all like the idea of Jesus. He went to the cross. He saved us. We, we talked about the resurrection a little bit last week. We sang about it today. You know, thank God for his resurrection, what he did. He was nailed to the cross. He died so I didn't have to die. He sacrificed so I don't. Well, I'm still supposed to sacrifice, right? <laughs> still supposed to sacrifice. But uh, he was the example. Um, um, but I don't want us to be a church that's anemic with what the word means and what the word should do in our lives. We shouldn't be anemic, but we all are real people. These, these men that knew Jesus, there's my grandbaby. Oh, I wasn't going to say nothing, but she came down looking cute. She had her hair and the little ponies. Oh, my word. Um, where, we pick up, where we pick up today um, with the text near the end of Jesus' life, Jesus is, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to give his life, to give his life for the world. And on his way to Jerusalem, to die for the world. His disciples are on the road, and they're having a, a discussion. And I can just imagine Jesus just walking with his guys. He's just walking with his guys. And he's just walking with his, you know, because he's got some people like me with him. He, Jay, he's got some people like, like you with him. He's he joking in the back and everything, like, are you bringing this up again? You know, he's walking with his guys, and his guys are talking about some stuff. I'm about to go give my life. And, and, I, and, I, and I love, I love how the, the Bible lays it out for us. Yes, Papa's preaching. I love how the Bible, the Bible lays it out for us. He was going to give his life for the world, and the disciples were starting to talk about themselves because they, they were a little self-centered, like some of us. A little self, self-centered. We come to church when it feels good, when it ain't nothing in the water. If you're listening online, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just trying to, uh, I'm trying to pick you up today. Um, so if you listen online, we love you. Glad you're listening. Um, uh, but they were arguing about who, who's valued most, whose ministry is more important. You know, G they expected Jesus to come and bring, bring a kingdom, right, a, 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 a heavenly kingdom down here. And so when, they, when, they, when he came, they thought that he was going to take over the Roman rule and oppression. And so they were arguing about who's going to be the right hand. You know, he can count on me, my ministry. You know, I do this and I do that. Paul, Peter was like, well, I'm bold. I'm the talker. I'm the leader. And they're talking about who's, who's, who's more important. This came up all the time. This is not the first time. This came up all the time. There was just a familiar argument that they had amongst themselves. And this is what I found interesting in the Bible. This is what I found inter interesting. After traveling, they stopped to rest. 
And the text says that they settled in the house. There's so much here in this text, and these just these two verses, there's so much there. Because how many of us have arguments in a house, and we just want to address it right then and there? And the text says that they, they got off the road, and, they, and they're in Capernaum. He's going to Jerusalem, and they stop in the house, and it says, and after they settled, then Jesus brought it up. Ooh. Aren't you glad Jesus isn't like you? I'm glad he's not like me, because I would have brought it up on the road. I would have checked him on the road. I would have pulled over and leaned on the rock and said, really, Peter? Really? Really, James, John? Really, we doing this again? Really? Maybe I would have sat down on a rock. He's like, dudes, really? But it says that after they settled in the house, after they settled, we can learn from that. Everything doesn't have to be addressed right then and there. Sometimes you got to let things settle. You know, after, after they got to the house, after they got off the road, after they settled in the house and, 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 and maybe prepared dinner and stuff. I have a spiritual imagination that takes me there. Maybe they were preparing dinner and putting some, some luggage away and, and, and getting things set and everything's around. And everybody thought it was all good and cool. And then Jesus said, what were y'all talking about? Tony, what were y'all talking about? What were you talking about in the car? What were y'all arguing about this morning when y'all was getting breakfast, having your coffee, before you got to the church? That's what he's saying to us this morning. What are y'all arguing about? What were you talking about Friday, yesterday? And they're like, what were we talking about? Um, Who's going to be the greatest? (laughs) Did you recognize me today? Did you look at me, Pastor? Did you shake my hand? Did you you give me that hug today? If I was Jesus, and I'm glad I'm not, I probably would have looked at him and said, what in the world? Really, guys? Um, and, and I'm glad that, that Jesus was patient with them. And, and if I could use my Oklahoma vernacular, Jesus, Jesus probably was like, you know, um, he, he probably, uh, I, I, I'm spiritualizing in my own uh, way this morning, the text. I, I'm glad that Jesus was so patient that he wasn't talking at him. But he was talking to him. Him. You know how he talked, right? He wasn't talking to Adam. He was talking to him um, about their great lives. Uh, because I found myself in the text, not from this, the perspective of being a leader, but from the perspective of being a follower. Sometimes I, w- I think more about being the greatest dad. Okay. Y'all not going to be real this morning. Y'all not going to nod with me. Some, sometime I think about being the greatest father. Sometime I, I lean more. I have a tendency, I have a proclivity to lean more towards being the best husband, the greatest husband. And everything else is second. Sometimes I, I lean uh, towards wanting to be the, the greatest man. Y'all know. I want to be the best pastor. Do y'all? What about us? Don't sometimes, sometimes we have a tendency to want to be the great supervisor, the greatest whatever, and everything else comes second. I'm so glad Jesus was patient. The thing I found in the text, the first part of the text, Jesus didn't turn and yell at them. This was a common, this was a common argument, but he talked to them. It says that he sat down and begin to teach. Let me give you that. Let me give you that. 
Verse 35 says that he sat down and called the 12 disciples over to him and, and said, this is what he said. This, this, is in wor- this is in red. Whoever wants to be the first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then verse 36, it says, then he put a little child among them, like, like our grandbabies, Marshall. He, he, take a, he took a little child, put it among them, and he said, taking the child in his arms, he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but my father who sent me. Oh my gosh, truly, 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 to be truly great. Jesus didn't yell at them, and, and he knew what was in their heart. He knows what's in our heart today, but he didn't yell at them. He said, you know what? If you want to be great, you got to be like this. And let me break this down for you. To illustrate this point, there's five things you need to know how to live a great life in a greedy world. This is number one. We have to learn how to treat people equal. What Jesus was trying to illustrate with the child, he was trying to illustrate that those that are less than, those that are less important, whether it's socially, whether it's economically, whether, whether it's chronologically, he was trying to say everybody should be equal. To, tr- to be truly great, we need to first treat all men equal. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're just caught up in how to be the great dad. And we're not thinking about anything else. So we have to treat people the same. I want to be a church that we treat people the same. So in verse 38, if we can move it along, it says that, that John said to Jesus, because they're having a dialogue now, John said, teacher, we saw, among, uh, um, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, because that's, that's what the disciples were doing. They were casting out demons. They were going around doing ministry, and they saw somebody else who wasn't with them doing what they were doing. Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons. But we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Man, that sounds like today. (laughs) And Jesus says, don't stop him. Jesus said, no one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. Church, y'all need to know that. If they're not against you, if they're not dogging you, then they're for you. If they're not against us, they're for us. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, because you're God's child, because you love God, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. Second thing we need to know to truly be great of the five things that I'm going to give you this morning. The second thing to, to, to truly be great, Jesus said, we need to treat them as magnanimous, as kind as possible. See, what was going on, to be magnanimous, to treat someone magnanimous, that means when you see a rival, when you see someone that, that may, may not be in your group or, your, or, 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 or look the same, we still need to treat them kindly. We still need to give them, treat them with regard. So Jesus is saying, church, relax. He's saying, relax. I told you, this is just the introductory. Relax. Don't make everything an issue. Y'all hear me, church? I need to say that because I've had some conversations with some people. I don't even look at nobody and and think I'm talking about you. Um, But y'all need to relax. Everything is not an issue. Can I look at y'all now? Everything is not an issue. Oh, man, some, some of us make everything a big deal. 
I'm going to give you some pastoral counsel right here. Um, uh, we, we, we tend to be harder on those who, who are walking into what we've walked out of. Oh, my goodness. Y'all, oh, my gosh. So, so you know, I, I came out of it, but now that you saved and you still slip up and cuss around me, so now I'm like, what's wrong with you? You're a Christian. You come to work late. Because you got your stuff together. Now you want to turn your nose up at everybody else? Sometimes we are harder on those who are walking into what we walked out of. Mm, 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 mm. I know I'm preaching. I know I'm preaching. Will y'all amen me or not? Oh, um, <laughs> oh man. So <laughs> we, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Um, um, and not make everything an issue. Um, here's another one. We have to be careful of, of criticizing someone else's ministry for not being as progressive. You know, someone says to us, oh, they go to that church. We're, we're my church, we're casual now. You know, what, y'all, y'all don't have coffee, y'all don't do music, y'all don't do, you know. We have to be careful. I, had to, I caught myself this, just this week again. I caught myself. So I'm not giving you nothing that God doesn't slap me with first. Amen. So we're casual, you know. We, we don't have to wear our suits and everything. And every, that doesn't mean that you're any holier because you got on your suit and tie. I got a closet full of suit and ties and a tux. But I don't mean I'm any uh, less holy. And sometimes we're critical of other ministries. We say, oh, they don't do this. They don't do that like we do over here. We're a little casual. We're a beach church, and, you know. Or, or we're critical of believers, like I said, um, because of music, their southern music or whatever in our contemporary music, whatever the case may be. We're on the same team. We're on the same team. Jesus is telling them in, intrinsically how to be great so it'll make a difference. Okay, moving on, verse 42. We're talking about the red letters, just things that Jesus said, so don't beat the messenger. Verse 42, but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, or in one translation it says, or to stumble. And so you, you may not feel like I push people into sin, but you may cause somebody to stumble. Right? It would be better if you were thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. See, people had those little small millstones that they used to cook and grind stuff up. Then you had those big ones that they would put on cattle and they would turn and grind stuff, you know, um, in a large capacity. So the big millstones, you wouldn't dare swim or be in a lake with something like that because you would drown, right? Jesus said it would be better if you cause someone to sin or to stumble that that happened to you. You come see him <laughs> before you do that, Right? Oh, man. So to truly be great, the third thing you have to do is you have to handle others with sensitivity. Yeah. Handle others with sensitivity. First um, Corinthians 8.13 says, Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, don't eat meat if it causes someone else weaker in faith to stumble. See, because it, it, uh, in Christianity, when it first started off, they ate fruits and grains and herbs and stuff like that. And then eventually it migrated because uh, the people brought meat to the temple and they would, they would donate meat to the priest, to the pastor. 
They would bring meat for the pasture, and what was left over, they would sacrifice and burn it as a worship unto God. And people were critical over, oh, you, you eat meat? Why are you eating meat? And who should eat meat? But Jesus says, in, in your freedom, if you're going to eat meat in front of someone who's struggling, you're going to cause them to stumble, so don't do it. Eat your meat at home. Can I bring it closer? You're having a drink with someone who struggles with alcoholism, and you're having your wine, and they may struggle with it. Don't do it in front of them. Okay, y'all, are y'all awake? Clap if you're awake. Okay. Not for me. I just want to make sure y'all awake. Um, let, me, let me illustrate this this way. Um, back when I, when, I, when I first gave my life to Christ, I was saved at 14, and then I kind of drifted off to the world and then did some stuff. And at 27, I rededicated my life to Christ and got my life back on track. God was leading my life from there. And, and when I first came to the Lord, I was really, really just, just all sold out for God, you know. And so I was working out with these guys because I, like, I was like 168 pounds when I got married. 168 pounds. Ooh, Jesus. I haven't seen them days. Uh, and so I was working out with these guys. They were like amateur bodybuilders. And so we would, you know, they were, they were building me up. I was bringing a backpack to work and, um, and literally in my Navy job, I would bring a backpack to work and I would have a potato in there. I would wash it and I would put a potato in there and I would put little cans of chicken in there and, and, and uh, this little uh, rice cakes. Y'all seen those little rice cakes? And I would eat that between my breakfast at home and my lunch later. I would eat that stuff in my backpack um, to put on weight because I was 168 pounds soaking wet. And, uh, and so I couldn't protect her at that weight. <laughs> in my mind, I couldn't protect her at that weight. So anyway, I'm working out with these guys, and I, the guys got me with 45 on, on, on my chest, and I'm sitting on their back, and they're doing donkey raises and stuff, and I'm, I'm like, ugh, I'm, I'm building myself up and everything. But then I started noticing all these sexy people in the gym. See, I used to go to the gym just play basketball, Jay. But now I'm in the gym with people working out, and they're working their bodies. And I'm looking at people with their bodies, and stuff start happening. I start having some thoughts. And then I'm buying these magazines, and I'm looking at, I'm looking at these magazines, and I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, this is bad. Oh, this body looks good. This body looks good. And I, I, it started making me start looking at other stuff. And so eventually, as God started dealing with me, I started taking my magazines. And Tiffany asked one day, and she came through, and every magazine with a woman on it, I had blurted it out with a marker. Why did I just throw it away? I don't know. I wasn't delivered that, mu that much. I saw her face, but I didn't see the body. <laughs> um, so, and, and that's what I would do. It was just God was radically changing me. And I felt like, you know what? I need to do something because I'm starting to have these thoughts and starting to look and, and everything. Another thing that happened um, um, when I was listening to music, the freedom. I'm just talking about the freedom. We had freedom. And so eventually... Uh, I went from that stage to having freedom in Christ, and I was listening to music, and uh, we didn't listen to Caleb then. You know, I'm bumping my stuff in the car and everything, and one day, God slapped me again and, and, and had me change some stuff up. We were listening to some songs, some secular songs, and uh, I had freedom because I didn't feel like the music would take me back to thoughts of the club like it used to. When I first became a Christian, music and videos took me back to my club days. And so I couldn't listen to it. So now I got freedom. I'm matured in Christ now. I'm a little older, a little bit more mature. So I'm listening to music in the car. Our families are riding. It didn't matter where we were going. I'm bumping the music. I have freedom. It's, it's not just Kirk Franklin anymore. Um, and then this commercial comes on. 
and this commercial comes on, and they're saying, ladies, get in free, free before 10 o'clock, all the drinks you want and whatever. And at the end of the commercial, <laughs> in the 757, Jasmine, my middle daughter, who was about six years old, at the end of the commercial, she's like, Daddy, I want to go to ladies' night. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what? No, no. <laughs> it was Jasmine, right? Jasmine, what? Tanisha said some other stuff, but Jasmine, she's like, I want to go to ladies' night. And I was like, oh, you know, I got, I said, we can't listen to, just because I have freedom, we just can't listen to everything. So now, even today, when you get in my car, if they got the family with me, Oh, the cross of Jesus Christ. If you see your pastor going to Harris Teeter, I'm like, oh, <laughs> knock him out the box, Lord. Knock him out. <laughs> when the family like, he's the reason I'm alive. Just because I have freedom, yeah, I have to watch. I have to be sensitive with others in my freedom. Right? Oh, oh, I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere this. So, so we need to handle others with sensitivity. Handles others, handle others with sensitivity. In verse 43, it says this. It goes on to say, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I always struggle with this. I'm like, what in the world? If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If it's, it's better, it's better, it's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. My father-in-law had a song, <laughs> had a song. I was trying to remember how it went, um, that he was telling me about this deacon that this deacon would be on the stage, you know, back in the day they used to have the preachers on the stage and the deacon sitting up there with the white socks on and stuff and they, mm -hmm. and, and, and he, he, he tells this joke, I can't do it justice, but he tells this joke about um, this lady is sitting on the front row and, and she caught the spirit and she was like, ah, Jesus! And, and, and the deacon was like, I can afford to lose one eye. But he's still looking, <laughs> he's still looking with the one, anyway. Every time I read this text, I think about that joke you told me a long time ago. He had freedom to tell me, but it stayed with me. <laughs> Verse 43 again. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. Verse 44 and 46, we'll skip over because they're omitted from the original Greek manuscripts, right? Um, verse 45. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter into an eternal life with only one foot to hop than to, have, than to be thrown into fire into hell with two feet. Um, verse 47, if your eye causes you to sin, <laughs> you can afford to lose one eye, but if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. And then verse 48, where the maggots and worms never die. Uh, one translation says the worms, so I just added that, where the maggots, where the worms never die, and the fire never goes out. To be truly great, you got to handle others with sensitivity, and you also got to deal with ourselves. We have to deal with ourselves radically. Deal with ourselves radically. Now, you know, there are a people group that would do stuff like this, that would maim themselves, but Jesus isn't saying to gouge out your eye. He's not saying to cut your hand off, um, figuratively, uh, literally. Um, but he's saying that we need to make an adjustment. We need to handle ourselves radically. We need to think about the bigger picture. It's better to go into hell sacrificing some things. Do you know that the Bible says, I'm going to throw this in there for free. It's not in my text. 
It's not in my notes, but throw this in there for free. Did you know that the Bible says that when you and I die and when reign with Christ, when Christ comes back, that we're going to reign with him for eternity? Did you know also that the Bible says that the earth is going to be renewed, the earth that you know right now? It's going to be renewed, and there's going to be a thousand-year reign on the earth. That's not even counting e- eternity. And, you, and we feel like, oh, we're missing out because we're not hanging out with so-and-so. We're not doing this. We're not popping jello shots. We're not doing this. We're not turning it up at the water. We're not doing whatever. And you're going to reign for a thousand years as a believer. You're going to live in eternity with Christ. That's what your word says. That's what the Bible says. Read, read Revelations. It's going to tell you you're going to reign with him. You're going to rule with him. You're going to name cities and countries. I hope I'm over in Hawaii. You know, that's Hawaii, and I need, yes. I'm going to be able to turn it up. So you're not missing out any, on anything, but you've got to live sacrificially. If you're saved and, and, you, and you're blood bought by Jesus Christ, this is a bloody religion. Now, I'm not saying we need to gouge out our eyes and cut off our hands. However, we do need to live radically. Are you willing to block out your magazines or throw them away? You pay for them. That's a waste of money, Pastor. Jesus knows your heart. He knows my heart. Can you put your cup down? Well, Pastor, I'm not a slave to my drink. I'm not a slave to my drink. But can you stop for a week and not touch it? Then your drink has you or your food, or your videos that you shouldn't be watching, whatever it is, it has you. Deal with yourself radically. Deal with yourselves radically. That's what he's saying. The world argues that we should stand up for our rights and and, and get what we deserve, but if we got what we deserve, it would be hellfire. The world says that we should be harder on others than we should be on ourselves. But Jesus says the opposite. To be easy on others and be hard on yourself. Everyone knows what they struggle with. You know what you struggle with. I know what I struggle with. Is a man or a woman, is that going to satisfy you? Is that what you're living for? What are you going to struggle? What are you struggling with? Deal with it radically. Maybe you need to be celibate for the rest of the year. Prove to God, and then in January, you got a man, you got a woman. Hey, when I was single, I did that. I was like, Lord, I'm done. When Tiffany and I, when I, when I came home, I knew her in high school, but when I came home from Navy and visiting, I don't know why I'm sharing this story, but I felt led to be transparent. I came home, and I remember her. I didn't really want to kiss or hug her too much or anything, whatever, because I was in that space. When I was in Japan, I got news that my grandmother died, and I came home on emergency leave. Yeah, I knew she was there, but I was in that space, just me and him. I didn't want to think about a woman. Yeah, you're cute and everything, but it was me and him. Now, when I look back on how he's blessed my life now, I think back to those times like that. Deal with yourselves radically. I'm not saying I got it all together. I'm just saying, I'm just trying to be transparent. Some, I wouldn't tell you something I wouldn't have attempted myself. I'm living proof that when you do that, God will bless you. What do you need to stop looking at? What do you need to stop tasting? What do you need to stop touching? Where do you need to stop going? Scripture says, cut them out. And and while we're talking about it, hell is a place, uh, a 
a real place worth not going to. That's not a desired de uh, vacation destination, hell. You, you don't want to go there. Um, but the text says that with a maggot, with a worm, um, never dies in hell. Not only will we have uh, physical torment, there's going to be a mental torment. So when I did a little bit of exegetical study, that just means when I studied this, the passage itself, when I did a little study, I found that the worm, the maggot, that means that there's a constant reminder of the grace you neglected. There's, there's a constant reminder in hell of the grace you turned away. There's, 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 a, there's a mental remorse for the individual based on how you live. Now, you're not going to have the remorse that I have. I'm not going to have the remorse that you have. But there's a constant reminder in hell that I rejected the grace. So it's an agonizing state. It's not a literal state, but it's an agonizing state. And then as we close out, verse 49. For everyone will be tested by fire. Jesus says everyone will be tested with fire. The final verse. For the salt is good for seasoning, but if it, lo it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves to live in peace with each other. So fifth, to be truly great, not only do you have to do fourth um, to deal with yourselves radically, but you have to, you've got to pass the test. For everyone will be tested with fire. So finally, you've got to pass the test. You've got to pass the test. What's the test, Pastor? The trial's test. How do you know how good you're going to be? How do you know how much you've grown? How, much, how do you going to know how, how you went from glory to glory? Is when you went through trials, when you went through circumstances, when you went through enough pain, enough disappointment, when you went through enough trial and come out on the other side, now you know you can trust God that much more when the next one comes. And so the Bible says that we'll be seasoned with fire. Guess who's the fire? The Holy Spirit is the symbol of fire in the scriptures. And so you've got to pass the test, church. Everyone will be tested. But I thank God we've been given a tutor. <laughs> I said everyone will be tested, but you've been given a tutor. And the Holy Spirit will be the presence to make you come out like salt. He'll make you come out like salt. Pastor, why is that important? I'm glad you asked. That's important because salt had many, many uses in those days. And then we're out of here. Uh, one of them was to preserve things. God will preserve you in your trials. Another use, and you have to really look for this one. Another use for fire was they would take, they would, I mean, of salt. They would take salt and they would throw it, they would add it to the, to the flame, to the fire. They would add it. And when they add it, it would illuminate. It would blow it up. And so Jesus is saying, God will, by the Holy Spirit and your trials, he will, he will keep you, he will preserve you like salt. And, and, and yet he will blow you up, illuminate your life in the end. And so you'll, you'll be bigger and better. And that's what greatness looks like on the inside. 
Those are five keys to living a truly great life in a greedy world. How many of you want to blow up? You want God to blow up your life. You want God to illuminate your life. I do. I want his presence to make my life great. And so as we close, Jack J.C. Ryle said this. Beware of manufacturing a God of your own. A God who's all mercy, but not just. A God who is all love, but not holy. A God who has a heaven for everybody, but a hell for none. Such a God is an idol of our own. He is not the God of the Bible. End of quote. Amen. So I want you to stand if you have feet to stand, legs to stand. Would you stand with me? With your head bowed and your eyes closed, uh, thank you for bearing me through this introduction. Red letters, red letters. Everything Jesus says is for a reason. So we're going to learn how to be red letter Christians, how to, how to um, read and understand and walk out red letter living. That's what's going to help you. That's what's going to transform you. So every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray for you. How many of you have a need just between you and God uh, and your pastor who's looking? Uh, every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you raise your hand if you have a need? I just want to say a, a blessing over you right now. If you have a need, thank you, thank you, thank you for raising your hands, raising your hands. I see you, I see you. Keep your hands up, keep your hands up. I want to picture who I'm praying for this week, that's all. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to picture who I'm praying for. I'm going to agree with you and pray on this. Okay, I see your hands, I see your hands. You can put them down now. Amen. Father, I thank you for those who had the courage to raise their hands, Lord, in this, this place, this holy place you call sanctuary for this time. Father, I ask that you will grant them what they stand in need of and that you will help them, Lord, to walk out your word. Um, help them to live great lives intrinsically from the inside out. That, that, that these five steps that Jesus said to his disciples in teaching and patience were the, were the things that were going to make them uh, stand out and be set apart from everybody else. Not, it's not about how important, we, how important we are, how important we look, but it's in how important it is to you that we transform our lives. So empower us, be with us, be with those needs that the hands went up for today. Be with those needs, Lord. Help them see that it's you, Lord, who's bringing it around. And so we trust you for the next time.